Hey friends, welcome to the Lemonade Legacy Podcast. My name is Megan, your host, and I am so excited that you are here. I'm also super excited. If you don't know what the Lemonade Legacy stands for, I just want to encourage you with what it is. It's just a place for women to come to be encouraged no matter what life is looking like, whether you're in the trenches or you're feeling like you're on the mountaintop. It's a place where you can just find, hopefully, hope and encouragement to keep walking even when stuff isn't ideal in life. And if you struggle with some stuff, that you can find the encouragement to keep walking. So I'm really excited about this episode. Also super nervous because (laughs) I'm interviewing my husband. Say hey, babe. Hey, babe. (laughs) And I'm super anxious. (laughs) I'm like a little bit stressed because honestly, guys, I have a feeling I'm going to have to edit the mess out of this podcast. It's going to be okay. He's a super loose cannon and (laughs) I'm like super (laughs) nervous and also really excited because you're probably like my favorite person in the world. Thanks, babe. That was sweet, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I asked him to come on and he reluctantly said yes. I was excited about it. Like, I didn't want to pass up the opportunity. I've lost a lot of sleep leading up to this (laughs) moment. Uh, Yeah, I had to completely clear my schedule. This was a number one priority for me, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I had to, I had to, like, when I was like, babe, will you be on the podcast? He was like, what? I don't know. Just because I don't, I don't want the world to know how smart she is and how dumb I am. No, whatever. That's this is me putting it all out on the line right now. Mm. It's okay, babe. He's not dumb. He's just well, just challenged. I'm the smarter one. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) At least he knows. Okay, so I'm very excited though because. We've polled people about this for a little while because I've been wanting to have him on the podcast for a little while and he finally was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And most people, because if you don't know and if you've listened to any amount of these podcasts, then you would know. But if not, that I have had some struggles with anxiety and fear, um, panic attacks even for years um, since I was probably like seven years old. Now I'm 31. So things have gotten so much better. And you can hear so much more about my story if you just keep listening, listen back and keep listening to my story. Um, I really think it'll encourage you um, so much freedom and so much. The whole reason the Lemonade Legacy exists is just to keep walking. And so one of the main things when we were pulling people and people know my story through this podcast and through life in general, a lot of people want to know what it looks like in relationship with someone who struggles with anxiety. And I think everybody to a degree struggles with some form of anxiety in situations. We all get nervous or whatever. That's like normal life. But like when you're in relationship with someone who like really struggles with it, um, that it's kind of their normal even though it's not normal, we know, but like it is like a constant situation. It's not just like an elephant in the room. It is this situation that, especially when it's really hard, um, that's kind of all the time and what that looks like in relationship. And so we really want to share about that. And then we also just want to share about marriage because, let's see, we've been married for nine years. Mm-hmm. And we've been friends and like together for like 17 years. We're, we've high school, we're high school sweethearts. Yep. Class of 06, baby, Mansfield. 
Um, so we, yeah, we've been doing this for a little while. We're not experts, obviously, in marriage and have so much further to go. But just in the little bit of time that we have been married, I do feel like we've learned some things along the way. And I think that, you know, you only have to be a step ahead. So maybe if you've been married one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years even maybe, this might be somewhat helpful for you. Or even just encouraging to know that like, everybody's marriage has stuff in it mm-hmm. um, and that we're not perfect people, nor do we want to come off in that way. But we just want to share some of our experience, especially in the light of anxiety and walking through that, but also in just the things of marriage. Yeah. And I think just to kind of add to this, like I think kind of what Megan was just saying, like the the complexity of like anxiety in a marriage, like it's not – Anxiety and marriage, in my mind, the way I process it, they're not two separate things, right? You can't like compartmentalize anxiety and then compartmentalize like your life and marriage. It's very much intertwined. So, you know, what kind of Megan was saying, I think that's kind of what you were saying. Like, it's very all, it's all consuming, not in a sense of like mentally all consuming, but just like it does get into every facet of a marriage. Like, it's, it's in everything. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's probably the, the challenging thing about it. Um, as much as, you know, being a guy, and I'm not sure if all guys are that way, but I know for me, I, I would love to separate anxiety and separate marriage so that both you can deal with both separately, but it's not like that. You have to be in it to win it and you have to understand that it, it encompasses everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and especially if you're, you know, with my story in particular, it's kind of a more intense form of anxiety. Like, for sure, in seasons of life, I would categorize it if I were to go get diagnosed, quote unquote, maybe you've been that way, it would be like a disorder. So, like, this is like things where the anxiety and the fears and stuff are so severe that they impact your daily life. So not just like you get nervous before a test or a job interview. Like, that's that does happen, but we're talking like debilitating affects life. You're constantly consumed. This is kind of the road that we've walked through in a lot of our marriage. And even when we were dating, I feel like um, even in high school – I was always kind of a nervous, but I don't know if we really knew what it was. Like, I think it was just, oh, this is weird. Like, why are you like acting like that? But I don't, I think we were both so young and I was so young. I don't feel like I really fully understood myself. I just felt like what's wrong with me. Um, But into college, for sure, like for sure into college, there was some times in there when the anxiety was so bad that I was having like, you know four and five panic attacks a day and that was like super super rough yeah um i mean and also you know even like high school and college i remember there being situations in high school and being situations in college and stuff like that and the cool thing about or not the cool thing but like the challenging or the big change going from like college to marriage is like college you had the ability to like separate yourself like you could be having a hard day you could be having a panic attack or you know, and outside of like text, like I'm removed. Right. Um, so that was, I know that was a big challenge for me. Now, now we're talking, you know, eight, nine years into it now. But at first, the first couple of years of marriage was like dealing with it head on yeah. and not being able to just like walk away yeah. or, okay, I'm gonna go back to my dorm now. See you later kind of thing. It was very much like 
like you need to learn how to like manage this and navigate it. Um, and I didn't do it right at, at all. Like I didn't do it right. Um, and I probably still don't do it right today, but it's something that you just are constantly coming from someone who doesn't, I mean, I'm going on 33 years of no panic attacks <laughs> at that level. Yeah. Um, so it, it's always a constant battle, but it's something that you can definitely improve on. Yeah. And I think that's the reality is like if you've never had a panic attack, because like when we're going to get into some of these questions that people have put out that I think are really awesome about this. And, you know, um, I'll just start with this. Like one person said, like, how do you relate to someone empathetically who is battling anxiety? And they've never experienced it. And so the difference is like obviously empathetic is like you can really identify more like it's probably happened to you. You can be in their shoes kind of thing where sympathetic is like you may not have necessarily been in the situation. Right. Am I mixing those up? I don't know if I'm mixing those up, but you get what I'm saying. I might be mixing those up. But the same what I'm saying is like how do you empathetic? I'm sorry. I mixed that up, guys. <laughs> here we go well i'm talking about you having to edit you have to edit for me empathetic meaning like you've never somebody define this word you get what i'm saying with this question how do you relate to someone if you've never been in this situation yourself um how do you do that like how do you put yourself in those shoes if you've never experienced like you said you've never had like massive panic attacks like i have had so how do you deal with that? How do you relate to someone who is dealing with that? Well, coming from someone who has anxiety, how would you, how would you respond? Well, like knowing for, what you know, right, right. Well, because I know what I know, I've been in that situation. I can fully identify. So, in a moment when someone's dealing with anxiety or panic, I can go to that place mentally. So, there are a lot of things that I know that I've learned along my own journey that that wouldn't be helpful if I say that or do that. And also I feel like my patience is probably really, really long with that in a lot of ways because I know exactly how they feel in that moment and so I can fully relate. And there's a different way that you talk and even encourage people when you can fully relate. You know, so if you are in relationship with somebody like you and I are and you've never really dealt with the anxiety and panic to the level that I have, like, how do you be empathetic toward me? Like, how do you do that? Yeah, I think what and I think there's a lot to this and a lot of different ways you can, like, look at this and answer it because there's so many different layers and. I, I'm like wrestling in my mind of like what I did before that I don't think really worked and what I try to do now. So. <laughs> I mean, a lot of this is just like in the works now, even after nine years of marriage. So, but I think the way I look at it is like people who don't have anxiety and panic and struggle with that are not wired to really understand to the extent of what the person who's having the attack is going through. So like I, I gave up the, the stress or the, um, the expectation on myself to like say the best thing because like as yeah. a guy like I want to I want to fix it right I want to solve it I want to like say the right thing to stop the panic attack to reduce the symptoms all those things so what I end up doing is just like trying to be patient and then like I'll, I'll try this strategy whether it be just like rubbing your back or 
you'll be okay. And I noticed that, like, okay, that's not working. Like, okay, like, we got to go to, like, plan B. <laughs> and then you get to plan B, C, and D, and there's no other plans. <laughs> so then you're just kind of stuck there, and, like, you're at a crossroads where you're just, like, now, like, you're dealing with, like, frustration. You're dealing with anger. You're dealing with impatience. You're dealing with, like, sadness because of, you know, your your wife is dealing with this right now in front of you, and nothing you have said is helping. Like, yeah. nothing. So, and I know with you specifically, like, you've really never been in a situation where you were going through a panic attack and I was actually sitting there with you and, like, I said something and you're like, yeah, that's good. Like, that, <laughs> that's a good thing to say. Okay, say it again. <laughs> say it again. That worked. Like, it doesn't happen like that. No. So, um, so that was a big struggle for me for a while is just, like, I would get to the, that plan Z and just be super frustrated. Yeah. Um, because I'm, I just wasn't wired. So like, and that's what I've had to learn to, to kind of dial back on is not try to get myself into these like, okay, if 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 she's having one, this is A, this is B, this is C. But instead of like really just trying to slow down and just not say much at all, yeah, and just see how you're responding, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of be there at first just to be more of a a comfort in that uncomfortable situation. Yeah. No, I think that's really good because as someone who has dealt with many a panic attacks and still occasionally and at times does, um, one thing I've learned even about myself is that in the moment when you're having a panic attack, if you've never had one, it will be hard for you to fully understand. But if you've had one or even if you haven't, this is what you can understand. When you're in the moment of it, it is like your adrenaline is pulsing so fast that you literally like you start to have physical like manifestations of this right so your heart's racing it looks different for everybody some people sweat some people feel nauseous some people get dizzy like most of the time though all in all you feel like you're dying and every time no matter how many times you have a panic attack it feels like the first time every time and every time because what ends up happening is your nervous system gets so jacked up that your body is going bananas so your mind is chaotic there's no rational like thought processes so like he said he's right like words don't necessarily work aside from what i think for me and this is this is where you have to kind of learn if you're in relationship with somebody whether it's a spouse or even a friend or whatever kid even like you have to learn that person in the moment because everybody is a little bit different and what works for one may not work for the other but I think as a general rule if you really do pay attention to how they're responding and they may not like verbally respond but if they're starting to calm or you know things like that so for me personally in the process what he says is so true like you can tell me all the things deep breathe and whatever and the way that has best worked that I've seen with William is he's come in and in the moments when he has been there when I'm having a massive panic attack he sits there quietly he will most times tell me to take a deep breath every now and then it's not like you know babe just breathe just breathe it's not like that it's just very calm and collected because the person who's having the panic attack is not calm and collected in a sense their mind is chaotic And so having someone to just kind of be that voice and that stability. And then also um, for me personally and for most people who struggle with anxiety, you want reassurance, especially in a panic attack. Like we're we're talking about an actual panic attack because you think everything is falling away like to the whatever, whatever you fill in the blank. Like you feel like everything's going away. So 
having someone to just assure you and reassure you in the moment that you're just having a panic attack, you've been here before, you're going to be okay. Just breathe. And just being that, like he said, just being there has probably been one of the best things that you can do. And you will, in the moment, begin to see the person and learn them and and figure that out. And I do feel like that has been, you know, if I look back, that works really well now. Because here's the thing. If someone is anxious and panicky, let me go ahead and tell you the things not to say. <laughs> Because what doesn't work is you just need to relax. Just chill, babe. Just chill. That does not work at all. That only creates more panic (laughs) because clearly they want to chill. That's, you know, once a panic attack is full blown, that's the other thing is like you're not just pushing it away. Like I remember so many times I would try to just like get it to go away. And the reality is when you're in a full-blown panic attack, you can't. You have to ride it out. So I do believe there are ways that you can shorten the episode, but you have to really be honed in and you have to really be as, you know, try to go to a place where you can calm yourself, do some mindfulness or whatever it takes for you, have somebody there to comfort you and assure you because once you're in it, your body is going bananas and you just kind of have to ride it out. So saying things like just chill, just relax, like yeah. what's wrong with you? Like, and, you know. and that's like what, I mean, that's what I've had, <clears throat> I've had to learn over the past, you know, eight, nine years. And that's where I've arrived today Yeah. when I really don't feel like I've actually arrived at all. <laughs> but um, it's like, I, like I said, I've never experienced a panic attack. And I think back in the day, I would try to imagine what a panic attack is like. And like then from that perspective – as a man, I would try to fix it. Like, yeah. okay, if I was in the situation, I would want to do this. If I was told that I'm going to be okay and there's nothing wrong and you'll be fine, just relax, then that's what I would thought. That's what I thought would be the cure to the situation. And I think that's until I like removed myself from trying to like, <clears throat> like figure out what it's like to have one and trying to be like, eh. it's almost like. I would put myself in her shoes and that just never worked for me. Yeah. Like when I try to like uh, try to like imagine, okay, this is what it is, this is what it is. So I just do this. And then when I would that's when that frustration would, would come in, I'd get angry about it and Cuz like um, this would work for me. Yeah, like if it was me, like this is what it would work. Like get <laughs> give me an ice pack or something, you know? Like give me a piece of candy. Rub my back. Like it's it but that's just not how it is because what you think a panic attack is like, if you don't have Yeah. panic attacks, what you think a panic attack is like is 100% probably not true. <laughs> it's so true. It's yeah, it's probably like rainbows compared to like what an actual panic attack is yeah. like. So yeah, it's true. It's not good. It's not fun, guys. And if you've been there, I'm really sorry, and I'm I feel you, friend. Um, so that makes me just think like, how have you? Because y'all, and I know this isn't everybody's situation, and so I feel very fortunate to have married William and to be in the relationship because. I understand, like, even though I deal with this, I understand how debilitating it is and how much there were seasons where it was, like, very much, like, really hard on our marriage um, for both of us. But because, and I, there were times when I felt super guilty because I was trying so hard to get this thought, these thoughts out of my head and to not feel anxious and to 
be like what I felt like William wanted me to be, even though there was no, he never put those expectations, but I just felt like I was a burden in a lot of ways because I always was in my head. I never felt like I was 100% anywhere. I was just always freaked out, anxious, worried about something. And I really just felt like I was a burden. And I feel like there was a season in our marriage um, that was really hard like that. And that it was, like it felt like the anxiety really was at such a high that it impacted our our marriage like impact us intimately like impacted our daily life because it was all consuming like it was like all I could talk about because it was all that I could think about and it's like an addiction like when someone has an addiction to something like that really is a, a hard thing on a marriage and I'm super grateful because I know that that isn't always everyone's story um and I think God knew that I would need somebody uber patient because I'm just a hot mess sometimes. Yeah. But, yo, you're agreeing to that. No, you're not yeah. a hot mess. You're not a hot mess. Sorry. I'll speak to the thing that you said before that. We'll have that conversation after this. That'll be the next podcast. How to deal with conflict in marriage. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, how did you feel, especially during that season when it was, like, ultra hard? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was probably like right before I got counseling. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it, and this is why why I said it's so consuming that like it literally was like it just was toxic in every aspect yeah. of the marriage. So, and it's tough, and I can't sit here and say like, yeah, like this was what I did. Like, l- tune your ears. I got a secret <laughs> to tell you. Like, it's not like that. Like, it was. It was prayer. It was strategic prayer in a yeah. sense of, like, I'm not an emotional person whatsoever, yeah. right? So I think very practically. I don't, he was literally I, holding the tears in on our wedding day, but I saw yeah. them. I saw them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, I kind of process things just differently. And right. I kind of lost my train of thought on that one. What was your question? <laughs> story of our life just about when it was really hard like yeah yeah so (laughs) what i i mean and going back to that strategic prayer i mean like it it was in a nutshell it's god's grace like it's god's hand on the marriage there was no one thing there was no book that i read or podcast i listened to that gave me some crazy insight i mean it's i look at like our situation as like improving the filter in which I try to a- approach like helping her with yeah, this yeah. right and that filter has changed over the years like it, you know and as my filter gets better as it gets more intricate and detailed I know what to say what not to say but I know that where a lot of my prayer has focused around is like lord help me to know if something is truly wrong yeah. Right. Like confirm in me that if, you know, she is, does if she actually has a heart issue, yeah. you know, where she needs to be hospitalized. Like you got to like, you got to let me know yeah. because we're, we're just going to sit here and we're <laughs> going to talk about it. So and I think that's, I feel like if I've ever had peace about something when it comes to the, like panic, anxiety, nine years, you know, yeah. all this stuff, it is like. 
I trust that God's going to show me or tell me or speak to me in the way that he knows that he needs to speak to me for yeah. me to actually move on something. Um, and I've never been worried, you know, I've never, cause, and, and I also, again, it's this filter that I've created. Like I've seen her give birth to two babies. I've seen her yeah. have cardiograms. Didn't she have a, uh, when you were yeah. after Ava? I've had all the tests, guys. So like she's had every test possible. Health anxiety, guys. Health anxiety. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's that it's a form of hypochondriac. Yeah. So it's yeah for me. Mm-hmm. So I know that she's had all these tests done, right? And sure, like things change, Absolutely. things come up later. Like right. I'm not disrespecting that right. or saying that doesn't matter, but like I prayerfully look at all of those things yeah. and say, okay, like this is what I know. Her health is not decreasing. Yeah. Nothing's crazy. She's not losing her hair. She's not no nothing like crazy. So. Again, it not kinda, at this point anyway. Exactly, <laughs> she's still super hot. Ooh. Um. Yeah. So that that's that's really what it comes down to for me. I mean, it, it's just a lot of prayer because I remember reaching out to so many people just out of frustration, like yeah. people that I confide in, you know, pe- who who were mentors in my life, just saying, "Dude, like, how should I handle this this stress?" Because and that's back when you said like it was during a hard time in our marriage. And again, like there was no pro- profound thing, but just to stay the course, yeah, to pray and stop trying to fix it. Like yeah. you, you're not gonna fix it. You're not gonna magically, mm-hmm. you know, change, you know, 25 years of of known anxiety. Yeah, you know, just because you're Rico Suave, you know, <laughs> just because you're hot. Oh, who's hot? You or me? Me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> here we go. It's about to get loose. <laughs> um, no, but that's so true and so good. And, you know, I pray those things too. And um, I think prayer is strategic. And if you're a believer listening to this, like that, it has to be your filter, even if you're the one that's struggling. Because, you know, especially with the type of anxiety that I have dealt with is very much about um, like hypochondria related and stuff. And so everybody's is different. But that doesn't change the way you respond, but you know, you do have to be strategic in prayer. And I think it's daily um, because everybody has different triggers. And I, I think in marriage, in any aspect of marriage, not just with anxiety, we're talking about that right now, but you know, you learn that there are things in marriage that are triggers. There, You learn very well if you're like in any relationship, what makes people tick. You learn what makes them happy, what makes them sad, what makes them frustrated. And we can tend in situations where we're frustrated to in, unintentionally or intentionally, some of us, um, to hurt people. And I think that we we are still learning that. I mean, I still like, feel like we're just still learning all of those things. And mm-hmm. whenever you have an outside situation, it doesn't even matter if it's anxiety. You can plug it in with whatever your thing is that you might be dealing with. Like maybe somebody has an addiction. Maybe it's porn. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's, um, you know, whatever the situation is. It could be that you've been trying to have children and you can't. And all of those things from the outside are can can really hinder and hurt a marriage, especially if you don't have Jesus. Like I just, it's really hard, you know, and I know that I have a filter because I am a believer, but you know, if you're not a believer, it's hard. It's hard if you are a believer, but at least I feel like in my mind, I have this eternal hope and I don't know 
like if you don't have that, what that looks like. Because I know as a person who struggled with some depression and anxiety that there were days when I was so heavy and burdened that if I didn't have Jesus, I don't know, you know, like it's just a really dark place to be alone in. And so I think that if you're in a relationship with somebody who's dealing with panic and anxiety or fear or whatever the addiction, because it it really is a mental pattern. If we really look at it, it's a mental pattern that needs to be changed and shifted. And it can be, but it's a process for most people. Um, At least that's been our experience. But having somebody with you in those dark days is really hard. And so, you know, the encouragement of that is like, like what William is saying is so true is like, you just have to learn um, what that looks like. And you have to really be intentional if you love somebody for more than just like, they're going to have issues. Like nobody comes in this perfect box. I know if you just got married, that's what you think, but Mm. it's not, you know? Um, And I, I think that that's so like the enemy to try to bring whatever the situation is in your life into a marriage to try to shake things. I mean, it could be anything. Anxiety hasn't been the only thing in our marriage that has been hard. Like there are seasons when finances and finances still like finances are, what do they say are like the major things in marriage that you fight about? Sex. Oh. <laughs> Sex. said that really loud. <laughs> finances sex. oh gosh i don't know do we have time to let the podcast go to that level kids and sex and sex again here we go okay well what if my mom's listening no but i will say that <laughs> we have sex that's not, that's not what i wanted to say what i wanted to say is when it comes to like and this is a, was like oh my, my reality goodness. and i think in any guy I don't, I don't know i can only speak from right like how I have processed Speak it, babe. anxiety. This is your so interview. like I may be bad. <laughs> your baby throw me off. You can't <laughs> I can't make eye contact with you. <laughs> so hot. Um so what I have to do to protect myself is know and I believe that marriage is a is a lifelong thing. So in my mind you know, splitting up, all that is just, I would never want to do that. I would never speak that. I would never, like, entertain that. Like We don't fight with that. So that's, like, that's out of the question. And that helps me. Not that I, like, have, like, well, there's always a chance that we can just split up. Like, I don't, (laughs) I have never said that in my mind. Right. So if you're saying that, then obviously that's something you got to check. But the second thing is, like, I want to make this last forever, Right. right? I don't want to be in a marriage where I'm like 85 and I'm like, yo, let me clock out. <laughs> like, let me, Jesus. I'm, my prayers are just like, let me choke on my steak tonight. <laughs> I got a good insurance policy. They'd be fine. Just take me home. Um, I, I don't want to do that based because of like what I didn't devote he- uh, my heart to and time to, yeah. you know, as a young married person, man. Yeah, so, yeah. That's what I've kind of had to, to to focus on is like, okay, like what's a long-term, what's a long-term strategy with this, Yeah. right? And A, it's not to check out. Yeah. It's not to just like, oh, God, here she goes. Like, and I think there's strategy involved with like knowing when to just shut up and not say anything and yeah. just be like, I'm sorry, babe. Like, I'm sorry. And then walk away. Like, and you don't, because, and because I have to protect myself because me, when I get frustrated or when I... I mean that the conversation and this conversation is going on and on and on over days and days and days. Yeah. Like I'm at the point where like I'm just frustrated. Like I'm just tired of talking about it. 
you're not going to die, everything's going to be okay. Like, yeah. So the best thing for me to do is to never like check out in in in, in a way that that could hurt her and just de- and, uh, and just say, "Hey, you know what? You're going to deal with this on yourself yeah. or by yourself." Yeah. Um, because when it was bad, I mean, it's a very scary thought to have like you know because you you hear about depression you hear about suicide you hear about like all these different things so like when it was the worst for me as far as what i felt like i was being attacked with in a sense of just being frustrated upset angry i can't fix this she's not letting up like nothing's working like i had to remind myself like life would it wouldn't be better yeah with her gone it wouldn't be better with yeah. like to just remove the bad from the situation yeah you know what i'm saying like it's it's never better to do that um and i think that that is really important because if you're someone that has dealt with depression on the other end like he's talking from the person not in the situation which is super helpful to have that perspective that he has because the person who is in the position you know we like on the outside looking in like to say that like things like depression and suicide are weak and why don't you just get over it and like or we think that like it's super selfish because from our point of view it is but when you're in that place mentally um, and if you've never been there it's hard it's very hard to understand that but if you've been in that dark place if you know we all can have our opinions on that but the person in that place is like they feel guilty for the way that they feel and it's unrelenting. And so in the mind of of a person struggling with depression, it says everyone else would be better without me because I'm a burden. I'm bringing everybody down. I'm like the downer of the group. No one can do anything because I'm constantly like a problem and I'm constantly having issues and no one can have fun. Like there's so for the person who's actually in that place, their perspective is what you've basically just said that you've said to yourself is like, it wouldn't be better without you. Where the per it's such a good perspective because the person in that position is saying, No, things would be better because I'm a mess and I I'm just, you know, all the things. And so it really is um a really healthy perspective. And I just think, you know, we've already said it, um, and this is our our take for it is like anything is like you've you have to have Jesus to like navigate like if I'm going to be better and this is marriage like as we continue to talk about marriage is like not just anxiety like in order for me to to really do the best I can as a spouse and to really enjoy our marriage like I have to be willing to die to myself like I have to be willing to know that every part of you is what I get and that I can choose how I want to respond to that and then I can serve like serving means that I let some things of myself go and that doesn't mean that you don't be who you are like don't misunderstand but like there are going to be times when you're going to have to compromise and you're going to have to be like okay that's not exactly what I would do or want in the moment but for the sake of our marriage like we will like we will serve one another in that way and I think there is a beautiful thing that happens when you begin serving one another because then you you both your needs get met like your needs get met emotionally physically yeah you know I think if you just error like we're all super selfish like naturally everyone's selfish especially when you're frustrated and you're trying to navigate a situation that you don't personally deal with and you're trying to navigate your own issues internally um I lost my train of thought again 
I was going to say something. See this. Every time it gets good. I know. It's just gone. (laughs) Um, Story of my life. Just kidding. Yeah. I mean, you're just basically reiterating. Basically, you can't, you just can't check out. Like, that's the main thing. Like, checking out and, you know, you have to, if it's even a small glimmer of not being selfish, that is leaps and bounds compared to checking out, walking away you know going silent not offering any kind of comfort even if it doesn't work because you've tried the hugging you've tried the back rubbing you've tried the words of affirmation the this and that you've tried all that stuff it doesn't work to your in your eyes um you have to create a default and your default can't be selfishness because the selfishness as much as you want to do that because it protects you emotionally and all those things and mentally like you can't do that. Like you have to one small step towards just either just be quiet, just just be silent. And honestly, not saying something stupid is way better than <laughs> saying something you're gonna regret later. Yeah, that's true. So. We both have said things we probably would regret at some point, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and I, um, you know, somebody else was asking us about. <laughs> I'm not gonna switch gears too much, but. Did we get the other question? Yeah, someone was asking us about what does it look like what in marriage think? to um, what do you do if it's just like an emotional breakdown? So like if I don't know that I have a ton of emotional breakdowns aside from anxiety related, but there are definitely times. And remember, he said he's not like emotional in that sense of things. But like if I just like totally have one of those days where I just can't handle life and I'm just a mess. Yeah. Like emotionally, what is your response to that? I mean, I think I wouldn't, I guess it depends on how we're going to like describe or identify what an emotional breakdown is. Like I know me, like me personally, again, I'm not an emotional person. Right. But like I'm high stress, right? (laughs) So... So I stress a lot about a lot of stuff, and I just I'm always cycling things in my mind, like right. worst case scenario, blah blah blah. So for me, like an emotional breakdown may be very internal, yeah. And it's like the iceberg theory, or if that's even a theory, but like how the ice, <laughs> the iceberg part of the iceberg, the top of the water, is super small, right? But what's under the water is massive. Yeah. So like. For someone like me who's not an emotional person, who I don't wear my emotions on my sleeve, like, not that I think crying is weakness or men shouldn't cry. It's not even about that. It's just like, I just don't have emotion. Like, (laughs) my teardrops, I've I've had them sealed shut. No, whatever. No, but it's, I'm not emotional. He's emotional, emotional, but I know what you mean. But my, like, the way I process life is just differently. So my emotional breakdown. And I think this is what comes with like years and years and years, way more than marriage time than we have. Yeah. But I can see myself 15, 20 years from now yeah. seeing those little iceberg peaks yeah. and being like, that little peak, there's a lot more to that. Yeah. And it's bigger underneath. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think you find that A, from not giving up, walking away, abandoning situations that are uncomfortable, abandoning yeah. emotional breakdowns, like, Instead of abandoning those, like you have to kind of sit there and soak in that situation um, and either choose to just shut up and listen 
and tried to navigate it, which, I mean, I don't do that good now necessarily. Yeah, we've but, been walked through that a lot. But if it was me, though, like, I want you to look for those those peaks. I want you to say, okay, like, when he starts responding this way, when yeah. he is shutting down or when he is, like, really quick to be upset, like, yeah. there's something bigger. It's not just he had a bad Monday. Like, it's something <laughs> – for, for someone like me who's not an emotional person – if I'm starting to show signs, then there's a lot more underneath the surface than what's right in front of you. Yeah, and that's a good point because actually I haven't always been good at this with him because he isn't. Like he just seems like such a rock like all the time. And he is emotional in lots of ways. Like he's sensitive and thoughtful, but like just in a lot of ways, like he just handles it differently. And so um, where I might feel it all in my feelings sometimes, he he just doesn't. And it's not because he doesn't feel it. It's just, you know, whatever. And Oh, I feel it. <laughs> oh, gosh, it's getting late. Um, <laughs> yeah, do the late night show. Um, but, you know, he was so, like, this is funny because, like, this was probably a few weeks back. I don't even remember. But we were laying in bed doing pillow talk, which consists of, him be like, babe, I'm not tired. And so I like pour out my heart and I'm like, babe, like literally one minute in, he's like, babe, I'm just so tired. I'm rolling you to sleep. I'm like, babe, you said you weren't tired. And I just poured out my heart. You're not even listening. Y'all, I don't even get offended about it anymore. I used to get real mad about it. I don't get mad about it anymore because it is what it is. And I've just learned I cannot, if I want to get something, that'd probably be the good time to tell him. <laughs> but anyway all that to say like he actually told me some stuff and and um he was like you know that's actually why i oh this is that night you're talking about yeah yeah that's actually why i feel like that and it like went so deep and i had never asked him those questions like more you know what i mean like the topic was whatever i don't even remember but but I had never really asked him, well, well, why do you feel that way? Or why? Like, it's usually the opposite way around. And when we dug a little deeper, he was like, actually, I think this is why. He didn't even know because nobody's really been asking him. And so that is the difference. And I think that it's not that you're not an emotional person. It's just that you you need a little bit more thought process and question where I would just be like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> I can articulate it so much differently and so much quick, quicklyly. Mm you know, than you. And I think that affects all aspects of marriage relationally because I got to be, I want to be better at that. Like there, there is some stuff that's deep down inside that everybody has to walk through, you know? And I think that that is a level of intimacy in marriage that you get only from committing to asking questions and being involved and like putting the phone down and having some real intentional pillow talk questions um, if you don't fall asleep. And I ultimately think that that affects, if we're going to go there, I think that affects physical intimacy. The more that you... <laughs> I mean, you got to say the right things, man. When it's, I mean, when it's 945, 1030, no. I mean, you, it's got to be a little bit more than scratching my back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. No, that's not what I meant. I mean, but I did mean like physical intimacy. Like if you don't really know the person, especially like let the difference between men and women. Now, I'm not saying men and women's, their drives might, there's lots of women who are frisky, but let's be honest. Most men are probably, to the women who are listening, if you're married, like your man probably is a little bit more active than you are. At least that's what society portrays it. True. And it's probably not 100% accurate. Yeah, I think it's across, I mean, it, 
Yes. It depends on who you're talking to. Uh, sure. It depends on who you're talking I know, to. you're right. But for the most part, like, in our situation. Mm-hmm. So From our filter. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, the more you intimately know each other on other levels, I think that that greatly affects how physically intimate your experience is as well. Like, what that looks like. Because phys- we know you know even though the world doesn't necessarily portray it but when you're physically intimate with someone there's a part of you that you give away and so having more intimacy on other levels like being able to share your mess with one another being able to work through the hard stuff like it affects your physical intimacy yeah. i think and that's probably what i i mean to this day i'm and by physical intimacy sex <laughs> and i don't think to this day i'm good at sharing like my mess i wouldn't say that like again i'm not an emotional person i think it's because you don't know what your mess is probably not you dude. need somebody I'm to so question up. you <laughs> i know yes i mean it's i really can't think of like an example or anything profound to say to that yeah um okay. but it does i mean it, it absolutely does i think if yeah i mean i don't really know yeah yeah i think it affects it big time and i mean all the intimacy level. Intimacy is so many different things. It's not just physical, what, mm. what we call it. <laughs> but it's also emotional, spiritual on all the levels. But, like, physical is a big part. Like, you, in marriage, like, you have to have physical intimacy. Absolutely. To complete the puzzle of being married. And all things affect that. Anxiety affects yeah. that. Fighting affects that. Like, in... And that it kind of goes back to that question of like, you know, how often should you have sex? How often do you have sex? Like, I think that depends on so many different factors. And seasons, yeah. And seasons of life. Yeah. I we mean, can't be like, you should be three times, times. Yeah. I mean, if like, like if it's like really, if Megan's having like a really hard like week, two weeks, and like we're just, we tend to be talking more about you know, being sick or, or, you know, just anxious things that come with being the way Megan is. Like if the week is full of that, like it's not, it's not firing up the engine. You know what I'm saying? Like it, things well, are ice cold. for neither person. I mean, exactly. So it's like, it's just like a time. So I personally love. don't push. Yeah. And, and this might be different. I think again, all, all guys are different. Like when it comes to intimacy, like I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a selfish person. No. You know? <laughs> oh, it's getting hot in here. No. Starting to sweat. Oh, lost my train of thought. There it goes. I bet you did on that one. <laughs> there it goes. Um, you wouldn't consider yourself a selfish person. I heard what you said. Yeah. So, it, it, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, when it comes to, like, her dealing with when she's in the heat of a situation as far as anxiety goes, um, like, I'm not going to, like, push it. <laughs> You know, I'm not going to be like, hey, yo, babe, babe I it's, got something for your it's anxiety. been four days. <laughs> I got the red light on. You know what I'm saying? It's not, I'm not doing that. What so, are we at a Motel 8? I don't know. Yeah, red light. <laughs> Just change the bulb. I got it in my nightstand. <laughs> um, uh, right, you're not going to be like, hey, let's. You know. Yeah, so like, and, and that well, changes. But then, for anything though, because absolutely. if you were absolutely. having a frustrating week, mm-hmm. and maybe I wanted the red light on, <laughs> yeah, you might not. Like guys are the same in that sense. Like they're not always on. I don't think. Yeah. You know. I mean, yeah. There, it, there's there's a lot to that. I think, especially if you're in conflict. They're if on you're a like, lot. If, but 
<laughs> the red light's on a lot. But it, it comes and goes right. so quick. Like, it's not like yeah. it comes on it's like, babe, we got to break this because <laughs> I can't focus. It's not always, always like that. <laughs> Sometimes it's like that. <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, I think even when you're in conflict and stuff, too, like, if you're in an argument. It messes or, with it, yeah. It does mess with it. And, you know, it's it's not as... And that's the other thing, like, you know, I don't know women or men could can withhold that stuff, too. Like, that becomes like a bargaining chip, if that's the right way to say that. Like, well, I'm mad at you, so, like, I'm not going to, you know, let – we're not going to turn the red light. We're just going to call it that. We're going to turn the red light on tonight because I'm mad at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not fighting fair either because I'm not saying that you you need to, like, be like – I'll do whatever you want, even if we're in conflict. But I'm just saying to withhold in that way, then that means y'all really need to have a conversation because that just creates bitterness, especially if you don't deal with it. And for a long time, guys, like I was not great in conflict and not because I didn't want to talk to talk about it, but mostly because I would just shut down. Like my way of dealing with conflict was to not deal with it because I was people pleaser. I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings in my head. I'm a perfectionist. So I'm trying to figure out what's the right thing to say. So instead what I would do is just be like, I'm probably wrong or they're wrong and I'm just going to bury it. And I I don't even really know how to say what I want to say. And I know that I might be wrong or they might be really wrong and I just don't want to deal with it. So most times I would just bury it. And that's awful because that affects all levels of intimacy, including physical. Um, because, like, it's that crazy cycle of, like, disrespect and love and, you know, yeah. all that. And so, like, you know, in conflict, especially, like, having healthy in marriage, having healthy conflict. It doesn't matter if you're dealing with anxiety or anything like that. Let's just talk real marriage. Like, you need to have some conflict resolution communication. And that's one thing that William has been really good at that has been a challenge for me in marriage is because I would rather just not talk about it. Like, I'd rather just try to move on from it. And I've learned that I can talk about it and creating that safe place. Um, you learn one another and you have to learn, t- like he had to learn like, okay, she does best when I open the environment like this because he's more of like, let's just talk about it and I'm just going to tell you how I feel about it. And not necessarily in a negative way, but like I'm just going to come out and like start asking you and I'm not always there. So that is a huge thing that affects yeah. marriage that most people don't deal with is conflict. And I think that's what, breeds like like in my mind it's about having non-negotiables right my non-negotiable would be to i mean i doubt i would do this but i wouldn't withhold sex from you and and your (laughs) non-negotiable would be hopefully to not withhold sex from me so like that's just a non-negotiable like i would never like so but with that being aside like my desire to you know really fine-tune and have a hold of conflict resolution is to make sure that we don't allow our marriage and our situation to like get to those really weird drawn out like bitter it's been two weeks three weeks we're not having sex like we're just you know that whole saying two ships in the night or whatever like i hate that stuff like it makes me sick to my stomach to think that people like married people who sat stood in front of each other and said i love you i love you for the rest of my life you know, had all their family there, like, could be okay with living like that. Yeah. And be so selfish, regardless of how bad the situation is, be so selfish to, like, 
not like attempt to. Now, if if you're trying to and the other person's like yeah. just crazy and they're yeah. not, then that's a whole different issue. And you're issue. working through trust or yeah, hurt. Or, it, exactly. Yeah. And that takes time. So I'm not trying to be Dr. Phil here. But <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, like I know for me in my marriage, like it's strategic. Like, yeah. yes, I want to resolve the conflict. I don't want to walk around being bitter. But I also know what bitterness over years and years and years and years and years in marriage, I know what it looks like. Mm. Not from obviously personal experience, but I know what that looks like. And I know the potential and the damaging effects and argument about that was big. That was whatever you argue about that you just let fester and and be buried underneath your skin for 15 years, you know? So, yeah. So that's... It's like better to deal with it being awkward, uncomfortable, and painful in the moment than to bury it and then 15 years later you find out when someone's like, I'm done, this was all the stuff that was wrong. Yeah. Because I don't want to, I mean, and, and if, you know, back to the whole sex topic because everybody, all they want to know talk about is sex. <laughs> like, I don't want to have the sex conversations. Like, I don't want to sit yeah. here on a couch by babe, like, look, listen, babe. Like, I'm struggling over here. Like, yeah. I'm not, I don't want to have a conversation and then you're like, well, babe, it's been two months because you haven't, like, said sorry. I like, don't I, sound like that. I know. But that's <laughs> how all women sound like in my eyes. So. <laughs> um, I don't want to have, I don't want to have those sex talks. I can't imagine us ever sitting and me coming to you and being like, you know, babe, like, you, you, this is mean. You're being mean sexually to me <laughs> and not in a fun way either. <laughs> Oh man. We're just painting a picture right now on your yep, head. Yep, too much. Too much for the internet. Um yeah, but that's so true. It's so true. Yeah, so it's just it's, not worth it to me. Like it's not worth it. It's I, not. And guys, we're still so young in marriage. Like so it's not expert advice, but it's advice of like what's gotten us to 9 years now. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see if this stuff checks out in another 9, but <laughs> Yeah, but I mean a lot of it is just kind of like common sense in some things but when you're in a moment and you're hurt or you're walking through something specific like if you have someone who's dealing with illness or mentally or whatever like it does make it does put pressure on the marriage and you do have to have a place of common ground you do have to have a place you come back to and for us that's Jesus and prayer and um we just pray that both of our hearts will be softened and convicted if they need to be or whatever. Like, I wonder if you learned this stuff in marriage counseling. I don't think we did. Mm. I don't think marriage counseling, even in really good marriage counseling, you're never fully prepared because yeah. life is very, there's a lot of unpredictability to life. And so you don't necessarily know. So you can be like, yeah, here's the top three things most. And at some point in your marriage, you probably will fight about kids sex and finances like at some point we've fought about all those things or disagreed or whatever you want to call it um so i think that we can talk about that stuff but until you're in the trenches of marriage i don't think marriage counseling can ever fully prepare you because you don't know what your life will look like you don't know what your spouse will struggle with you you just have no idea and so you try to like do the best you can but at the end of the day your best is not enough because we weren't created to carry the burden of it and that we have to like that triangle where god is at the center at the top and then we're like on each end and we're all unified by that because 
there are just going to be times and seasons when it's going to be hard or you're going to feel like ships in the night because of the season of life or kids are going to be hard or your finances are going to be really hard or one of you isn't good with finances like we've had in our past and you have to learn how to navigate that and that's hard and you have to learn how to do it and you know and sex might be a weird topic because of one person wants it and the other doesn't like and and that's all just like normal and that's the that's the main thing i want to encourage with too is like this is normal maybe anxiety to the level that i have it isn't necessarily quote unquote normal but some level of something in your marriage or life that you're gonna deal with because we're all gonna deal with something and everybody's normal is gonna be different right you know like especially on the topic of sex like who cares like how much your friend has sex or how much I know. your friend your girlfriend's oh gosh, husband has sex like, like how horny times. he she is oh, you bring up that we're word? having sex horny is a part of oh being sex oh my gosh babe. oh we gotta end this your story. husband's a horn dog well, you okay, know okay we gotta wrap this up <laughs> <laughs> so in my opinion it's like who cares yeah. who cares like if it works because for if you, you got five kids yeah. and you're struggling you're not sleeping yeah like you might choose sleep over sex. And that's okay. And that's okay. Like, yeah. that. that's okay. Like, yeah. you know, biblically, we can get biblical about sex and stuff like that. And that's great. And there's a time and a place for all that. But, dude, just do you. Like, don't worry about... Find out what works Like, don't let that be a stress thing. Like, I guess, I guess you can talk about what's healthy. We've just never had to have that conversation of, like... I think we've talked about what we feel like is... Would be Maybe a for long us. time ago. Yeah. I think we've talked about what we feel like would be doable for us. But it, we don't hit that all the time. Like that's sounds... we don't hit that. Oh my! All the I time. knew I, as soon as those words came out of my mouth, that's I was like, oh, said. I wish I could put those back in. Because <laughs> <laughs> here we are getting to the real William right now at the end of this. But I mean, I think that that's true. Is like we don't because we don't put ourselves in those places. We've come to the place where we understand that sometimes life happens and it's not always going to look like three times a week for forty five minutes or. Whatever, you know. Not saying that comments won't be said like, babe, it's been like four days. Like, do you love me still? (laughs) Do do you love me? But Yeah, yeah. right. So but just that whole idea of just like you you do have to sit down like and also making it healthy, like I don't feel like we talk about this in church enough to be honest, in churches or in circles of friends that you're comfortable with. Like, we don't talk about sex enough. Like we don't talk about like what it what like, I don't, I get that it's private and I understand, I'm not saying you go air out what you'd be doing in the bedroom with the red light on. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying like, it's healthy to talk about what, like you and your spouse should be talking about it. Mm. All the parts of it. Yeah. So that you can learn so that, like sex was created for you to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, sure. It's to create more people, which is awesome. But God wouldn't have created to make it feel a certain way mm. if it wasn't for pleasure too. And so I think... Mm. Being able to, he's over here saying, mm. I think being able to communicate about sex and what it looks like for you yeah. in your marriage, in your season of life, if someone is really struggling with something, it might not be. You gotta. You all set your own standards. Right. Like, set You've got to figure out what standards. works. Like, you can't be like, I'm sorry, husband, but you can't be like forcing your wife to have sex with you when Every she's day. in massive panic attack Every mode. Day like, gone day. come on now, you know, and vice versa. Like, if you're uber str- well, that's not a good example because most of the time when men are stressed out, that's what they want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're walking through something, like, don't look at everybody else's standard. Look at what works for you in your season and if you can both compromise and be okay with that. Um, and, you know, do you. 
put the red light on when it's good for you. <laughs> when in doubt, just say yes. <laughs> That's our motto. When in doubt, just say yes. That's his motto. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't even know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> if, we, if this breaks an hour, it's about to get nasty. So. <laughs> oh man, guys, this has been super fun. I only got a little bit. I got a little bit hot at the end there because I was nervous. Kind of sweaty. I'm a little sweaty. Um, we're also very close on this little podcast mic, so and mm-hmm. I just spit on you. I'm sorry. Um, but we really do hope that it is an encouragement to you. I've been looking forward to talking with him about this and. Um, you know, most of all, that's what this is about. No matter who's on here, no matter what we talk about, whether it's about anxiety or about sex <laughs> or about whatever, it's really just to be an encouragement to you where you are in your life, not to be in comparison to anybody else, but to just know that like there are real people in life who struggle with all kinds of things. Marriage isn't perfect. Um, anxiety is a real thing that people deal with. And we just hope that this was somewhat encouraging to you to know that like you're not alone and that there are people who are walking and working through it and that you can too. Um, as we continue to walk, we're still walking. Like we're still mm. walking through it every day, learning how to be better in marriage, learning how to be better with the stuff I deal with and the stuff he deals with. And um, we want that to be an encouragement to you that whatever you're facing, to just have some patience with your spouse, to really just put Jesus first. Um, and to to walk with people and to look at your friends who need it if you're close to them and you guys have that kind of relationship, open up. Have times when y'all ask each other about each other's marriages and how things are going and be those kind of people and friends because most of the time we feel lonely and isolated and mm. we don't know if anybody else is dealing with it and that's like the biggest sometimes thing we make in our head when odds are a person next to you is probably dealing with something like it. Mm. So, um, you know, we love you and I hope this was encouraging. If this was, please share it with somebody. Um, please, you know, tell others about it because that's how it encourages more people. If you would do me the hugest favor and just um, rate it, give me a, a good rating over there on iTunes so more people can see it, more people can be Five encouraged. star with a comment. Five star Nothing with less. comment that just says sex. sex. <laughs> then people will really want to listen to it. No, but seriously, I really appreciate you. This community is amazing. And it's been so good for my heart just to talk about this and this journey and to do it with you because I know that it's better when we go together. So I love you, friends, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful night, day, evening, whatever. See ya. See ya. We love you.